You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so the kids are heading off to Kids Church, and you can take your paper Bibles or your phone Bibles or your tablets or whatever and turn to Psalm chapter 37. So, Psalm chapter 37, and we're going to talk about the power of delight. So, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to proclaim your word and for the promises that are in it, Lord. And your word says, if we delight ourselves in you, then you'll give us the desires of our hearts, that we should commit our ways to you. So, Lord, I pray that you would help in this time to encourage us as we take communion here, Lord. We just thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you and uh, uh, be part of your family and to know you and to share you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, all right, so Psalm chapter 37, verses 1 through 8. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about the evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Psalm 37, 1 through 8. So as I was preparing for this message, I realized that I have a lot of Bible commentaries about the New Testament, but I don't have a lot of tools for Psalms. And so I just wanted to, you know, find out every Hebrew innuendo for the word delight and, you know, figure out what it really means to delight in the Lord. And all my research shows that it means to pretty much delight in the Lord, that we need to love God and pursue Him. There's really no secret word there that says anything but. But I did learn some stuff I wanted to share with you about Psalm chapter 37. One, it's a Hebrew acrostic, which is very interesting. So each stanza begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which was a common thing in the psalm. Psalm 119 is like that. And it made it easy for people to memorize. Kids would memorize this stuff. So we think we're really smart today. We've got all the technology and all the science and all the tools and everything. But these kids back then memorized a lot of Scripture And I know our Bible quizzing kids memorize a lot of Scripture. I challenge you to all memorize more Scripture. But basically, Psalm 37 is offering clear responses that reduce the tensions of life. So all the difficulties in life, all the things that don't seem fair, like there's evil people all around that seem to be getting further ahead in life than we do. There's evil people all around that mistreat us and everything, and it's like, God, where are you? Why don't you stop them? Why don't you help us? And so... The wise respond to evil by trusting in the Lord. Trust includes the five dimensions of renouncing irritability and envy, delighting in the Lord, submitting to the Lord, practicing patience and hope, and avoiding anger. Some Bible historians say that when David wrote this, it was towards the end of his life and he had lots of life experience, so he knew that the Lord had done this and his life experience proved that what's written here is true. So some think, some commentators think, that Psalm 37 to 41 is a series of psalms written during a period of illness in David's life. If so, this may have been the opportunity that prompted his son Absalom to attempt to overthrow his father as king of Israel. 
While Scripture does not specifically speak of such an episode, it does record that Absalom won the hearts of the people during a time when David was not judging the lawsuits of Israel's citizens. So his son seized the opportunity to undermine his father by presenting himself as a better choice for king in 2 Samuel 15. Absalom intercepted those who came to the king's court with complaints and criticized his father for not appointing someone to hear their cases in his absence. Commentators speculate that David was not fulfilling his duties as judge through the seriousness of his illness referred to in the Psalms. So David is writing this from experience and also from a time of great hardship and pain and difficulty. So he isn't, a lot of the Psalms are directed towards the Lord and this one is actually directed towards people to give people encouragement, to give people hope, to say that, you know, things might be bad right now, but you can trust in the Lord. Things might be difficult and other people might, you know, be hurting you, harming you, causing you sadness or pain or or whatever, and trust in the Lord that God's going to take care of it eventually, though he might not do it this very moment. You know, sometimes God waits on purpose. He knows, he sees what's going on, but if he waits, then something better could come from it. You know, eventually that evil, wicked person is going to get what they deserve, but sometimes it's about us, and God is molding our character and helping us to become stronger. Uh, Sometimes it's about God doing something else. So God is not deaf to your requests. God does not turn away from from you during your hardships and difficulties, but uh, he knows, and, and in his timing, he'll take care of things, but until then, we need to trust in the Lord. So Psalm 37, about trusting in the Lord. So don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong, for like grass they soon fade away, like spring flowers they soon wither. You know, if you look at the life of David, you see all these people that tried to uh, keep him from gaining the throne. He was called to be king by the Lord, and all of these people would get in his way and cause hardship and difficulty, and then they would fade away, and David would still stay on the throne where God put him. David went through some hard stuff himself. He did a sinful thing. He had an adulterous affair and then killed the woman's husband, and you know all about that. And in the midst of all those difficulties, God still loved him, and he still pursued God. David was known as the man after God's own heart, though there was a period of time when he lived in unconfessed sin. And life if you look at all the Old Testament characters, life is difficult for just about everybody. And for us, too, I think that life is just difficult for for all of us. I think that none of I don't know anybody that feels like they totally measure up, anybody that feels like they totally accomplish all that they should. I don't know anybody who says that they totally 100% trust in the Lord. You know, sometimes they ask us to pray that they can trust in the Lord more. Trust in the Lord and do good, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. And when this was written, this was talking about the promised land, about Canaan land, which is, you know, a parallel to heaven and to uh, time with God and those better days ahead. But we need to trust in the Lord and do good. So when life is difficult and the people around you are causing you difficulty or your neighbors are, your coworkers or your classmates or whatever, what can you do to trust in the Lord and to do good? What can you do to encourage? What can you do to be blameless before them? What can you do to live a life that honors God in the midst of all the difficulty? The word worry or fret means to burn, to become heated, to become kindled as fire is kindled, to glow or to blaze. So don't, don't be burning with anger. Don't be all upset or worrying about the wicked or envying those who do wrong. You know, sometimes it's easy to envy those who do wrong when you see all the stuff that they have. It's like, I know you do wrong, but you have a really big house, so... Um, 
there was a car dealer that was famous across uh, Minnesota that uh, up on Lake Vermilion, the church that I went to before, some of the people in the church owned this island on Lake Vermilion, and behind it was that car dealer's really big house before he went to jail and lost all that stuff. So uh, don't envy those types of people. It'd be better to be humble and simple and walk with the Lord than to have all the stuff and walk away from the Lord. So trust in the Lord, number one. We need to trust in the Lord. This is one of the favorite verses in the entire Bible to me. Uh, sometimes I try to use it as a compass in my life, and it's to take delight in the Lord, and He'll give you your heart's desires, to put God first in all that you do. We delight in a lot of things. I mean, the local restaurant that serves a lot of ice cream has delights. They sell you delights and sugary treats, and uh, that's kind of fun. I actually thought I should go over there and try some of those to prepare for my sermon, but I didn't. But uh, anyway to delight in the Lord, to put God first in all you do. So that means that you want to be in the Lord's presence. You want to spend time in God's Word to see what He has to say to you. Uh, Worship is singing often or listening to music or whatever. Dan leads worship because he loves the Lord and delights in the Lord, and he'd love the worship team to expand. His deal is he wants to invest in people's lives to help them become, you know, more musical and to better praise the Lord and things like that. And so maybe you're musical, and you could be part of the worship team. Uh, music is often someone's delight. I have, we have this dog, and when we first got him as a puppy, he would like run all over, and he would chase things and chew things, and he was always off here and there, and if you tried to hold him or get his attention or whatever, he didn't want any part of it. He was just always off doing this and that, and you know, when he was really little, when you want to hold him and cuddle him and everything, he wouldn't sit still. And one day I said to my wife, I said, you know, that dog's just not that into us. And when we'd play, I'd play catch and stuff with him, he wouldn't bring the ball back. He'd like grab it and drop it and go run off and do something else. And I'm like, this puppy's just not that into us. And so it, the catching became so bad that I noticed that he liked to watch TV. So I put him in front of the TV in front of a YouTube video of this guy training a dog how to fetch a ball. So he watched the YouTube video, and then he, maybe it helped, I don't know, but he actually does watch TV sometimes, uh, especially if it's another dog. But as time goes on and he realizes how much we love him, and, you know, the care and everything, and the rewards of catching the Frisbee and bringing it back and everything, he's really into us now. So he knows us better, and we know him, and so now there's this relationship. And I think that we delight in each other, and I know that we're not dogs or anything, But I think that as you pursue the Lord and trust Him and spend time in His Word and you come to church and not just to, you know, hear a message or be entertained or get free cookies or whatever, but you come to church to figure out ways to serve and to be involved and because it's important, because God thinks it's important, so you think it's important. You give back to the Lord out of a desire to worship Him and God sees that as uh, faithful and He rewards your, your finances. You take delight in the Lord, and He gives you your heart's desires. No, that doesn't mean that He gives you whatever you want. So I remember when I was like, I don't know, 14 or something like that, that I would sit there and I would read. All, like, we didn't have the internet because I'm really old. And so we had Auto Trader magazines, and I would take whatever money I could get from my paper route, and I'd buy like car things, and I would look at Porsches, like the 911s and 944s, whatever, and think about the day when I was going to get one of those. That was a heart desire. And... But as I walk with the Lord now, and I have a different priority for finances and stewardship and what's important to me, 
the things that I thought would really bring me delight, I wouldn't want, at least I don't think I would, but if you give me one for free and it's totally paid for and there's a reason for me to use it, then I will. And that would probably be fun. But it's not my heart's desire. Because as you walk with the Lord, you become more in tune with what God wants. So you, the things that you truly desire become more of what God truly desires. So he's giving you the things that you need, which are the things that you desire, which are the things that you know that you want, because you're walking with him in his will, and he's providing the things that you need. So many times I see people get things that they don't necessarily need, but they really want, and that pulls them away from God. So they get all sorts of toys, and then all of a sudden they can't be involved in church anymore because they've only got 90, what, 92 more days until Labor Day, and I have this boat, and I've been making payments on this boat all year. I've got to use it. I can't go to church over the summer because I've got to do the boat thing. And it's like, well, wait a second, you know, there's just Sunday morning church. There's all afternoon and everything. You could do the boat thing then. They're like, no, the boat landing's too full by then. You know, I've I got to go early. And so what it does is it gets in the way of their relationship with God. And then when their boat breaks down in the lake on Sundays, I just laugh. So I'm like, you put just so, man. You know, actually, God is a jealous God. And if you have possessions that get in the way of your relationship with him, I think they self-destruct. I've had experience on that. But anyway, delight in the Lord. Put God first. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you his heart's desire. So you, Matthew 6.33 is a New Testament passage that basically says the same thing. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So when you don't have what you need, you got to ask yourself, am I doing that? Am I putting God first above all else? Am I living righteously? Then he'll give you everything you need. Are you praying that God provides for your needs? Are you putting him first? Are you spending time in his word? Are you confessing any known sin? Are you doing what you can to serve him and to live for him and to share your faith and to do the things that are important to God? Because if you put God first, you'll always come out ahead. Seek his kingdom above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So if you're not getting everything you need, I would pray about that and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what areas in your life you're not putting God first. And it's been a struggle all my life to put God first. I, I, I love these verses and I know it's great. But there are so many distractions. There are so many things that come along that could pull me off from the main mission. So my main mission this morning was to get the trailer here and get set up for church and to think about church. And Caleb and I, we left a little early today and we're coming around the corner and there's a stray dog running with his little shock collar on, his little invisible fence collar. And I thought to myself, you know, I should stop. I should try to grab that dog and bring him home. Then I saw another one coming and I said, I should do that one too, but... My experience has been before that when there's a dog that's loose, they don't just come to you and say, hey, stranger that I do not know, why don't you come get me? Instead, they like run off and it's a long deal. So instead, because I know that the priority was to serve the Lord, we prayed that someone else would bring those dogs home and that they would stay safe and all. But nonetheless, you've got to prioritize the things that really matter. And Satan has all these distractions that he throws at you. So it's like, I want to read God's word, but oh, look there's something to read or my phone just went off with some sports alert or, you know, distraction after distraction after distraction. And you want to focus on the Lord and put him first. Somehow make that a priority and you will have great rewards. The Lord will um, bless you in many things. So the Bible says when we don't get what we need in Matthew chapter 7, that we should keep on asking and we'll receive what we ask for. Keep on seeking and we'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. And we need 
to pray and to ask God and to trust and to wait, to delight in the Lord. So some of you have gone here a long time and you know my story and I probably bore you with it, heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that, yep. So another day, I, I am self-criticizing of myself. And I walked out of here one Sunday and I thought to myself, please don't tell us one more time you graduated high school when you were 16 because it doesn't really matter. So, but uh, if you're new, people are like, wow, that's interesting. But quick reflections, because I'm going to turn 50, okay? So I used to think when I was young, if I lived to 35, that was a full life. And I should praise God, I lived to 35. So now 70 is looking all right. But um, anyway, so some quick reflections. So I was born into the world, and my parents got divorced when I was two. And then I lived with my grandma and my dad for a bit, and my grandpa too. But anyway, then she died of breast cancer, and that was tragic in my life. My dad remarried, and I stayed with my step-grandparents, and they were the ones that were really pointing me to Jesus, sent me to Christian school when I would go. Actually, I was a terrible child, and I remember going to Christian school in eighth grade, and there were certain things I didn't like about it, and I knew that there was a safe, an escape word, of one word that I could say to my dad that would totally get me out of that Christian school and into the public school. All I had to say is the word football, and I was on my way back to the public school because my dad was big into football and hockey, and that word would uh, get me back to the public school. But uh, anyway, so I went to Bible camp and everything, and by 10th grade, I finally realized what it was to truly be saved, got saved, and then uh, a little after that, totally committed my life to the Lord, and I prayed something like, Lord, uh, you saved me, but I want to give my life to you. Whatever it is you want me to do with my life, I want to serve you. And so I prayed about it, and I felt he called me to ministry. Went to Bible college for a year, then uh, dropped out. Uh, found the perfect wife. We got married at 19. Had some kids. By 28, I had finished Bible college, actually two Bible colleges, and started full-time ministry with uh, two kids and uh, full-time ministry, two degrees. And then uh, one of our heart's desires was always to adopt a child, uh, to treat him as our very own or her. And we did foster care and prayed and prayed for a child, and God granted us a child. And uh, that was 18 years ago, and he's, he's graduated now. And uh, then when I was 33, I came here to plant this church, and I've been here since, and now we've got four grandkids, Jessica and Jeremiah married, and um, they lost Jeremiah when I was 48, now I'm 50, and I stand here today, and I look at this, and I tell you that it's true, just like David went through all these hard times and good times and everything, that so many of these things we prayed about, and it seems so impossible, but God did it. God answered. God took the desires of my heart to serve him in full-time ministry, to finish Bible college, to adopt a child. Uh, the one desire I really would like to see is to get a church building. So I would love, some in my lifetime or whatever in my ministry, to put you in a permanent church home that sticks around for a long time and is way more effective at reaching the community. But it's true. Like David says, it's true. It is true. And Jeremiah seventeen seven says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. God has been faithful. I can't say that I have always sought his kingdom every single moment the way that I should. Uh, It is a constant struggle and I would bet you would probably say the same thing. But we need to commit everything we do to the Lord. We need to commit everything we do to the Lord. The raising of our children, the, the things we want to do for ministry, the things that we do at work. Commit everything to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. Uh, When we're accused of things, when people talk 
bad about us. He will make our innocence radiate like the dawn, like the, the brightest of the sunshine where everything is revealed. And so commit everything to the Lord. And when we don't know what to do, when life is difficult, when we're not getting the responses that we need, we need to be still before the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. And refrain from anger, turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. We need to be still before the Lord. We need to wait on Him. We need to wait for Him to defend us. We need for Him to give us direction. There is a way to get a church building, and it's called uh, try to leverage whatever assets we can and go to some bank and take out a loan. And then we can be a million dollars in debt on a building we can't afford. And the group we're part of, the Christian Missionary Alliance, doesn't want any part of that because it's not good for a church to be deep in debt like that. But um, So we pray and we wait. We know God will do something. And until that time, we're faithful to serve and to use what we have and to make a difference in the lives of the people that are around us. And sometimes we need, instead of running ahead of God, we need to be still and ask God, what is it that I can do? What is it that I can, um, how can I change? Uh, who can I pray for? You know, pray for, your, pray for the pastor. So I felt that God called me here. So I didn't necessarily volunteer even. Uh, I felt God called me here and I still feel called here. Uh, there are so many things that I would love to be doing that we don't do. So many uh, things that we don't have or, or don't do because of resources. But we need to be faithful and trust that God is doing great things. Be still before the Lord. And I think that sometimes we don't take delight in the Lord because we know who we are. We suffer from a realistic low self-esteem. We look at the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that we watch, the things that you know really define us that God sees that no one else sees. And we, we feel like we come up short. And there is a, um, a song by Torrin Wells. I'm going to show you the lyrics in just a second. But we're going to have communion in just a minute. Like the guys can actually come up. We're going to have communion here in a minute here. But we're supposed to examine ourselves before we take communion. So anyone who drinks this, eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So unworthily would mean not seeing it as communion, not seeing it as the Lord's Supper, saying, oh, crackers and juice time. But, you know, that's one way to say unworthily. But we think unworthily is, I'm not perfect. I haven't measured up. I don't do everything that God wants me to do. I don't always, you know, 100%, you know, follow through on the things that God calls me to do. I'm not always faithful to Him. People struggle with that. But unworthily truly means that if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that would be an unworthy manner. And that's something that's easy to do. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose again. You have an opportunity to ask Him into your life. A great way to do that, to believe in the Lord, is to turn from your sin and to uh, pray and ask Him into your life. Now, it's not the prayer that saves you, but it is a good way to come into a relationship with the Lord, to proclaim that you believe in Jesus and want to follow Him, something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And if you truly mean that, you enter into a relationship with the Lord and you're guaranteed heaven, you're adopted as a child of God, all these great things. And it's described in the How to Find God New Testament back there. But Torn Wells wrote this song, Known. And I think it says a lot of what people think about their relationship with the Lord. So... Here's what he writes. It's so unusual, it's frightening. You see right through the mess inside me. 
and you call me out to pull me in, you tell me I can start again, and I don't need to keep on hiding. I'm fully known and loved by you. You won't let go no matter what I do. And it's not one or the other. It's hard truth or, and ridiculous grace to be known fully, to be fully known and loved by you. I'm fully known and loved by you. It's, it's so like you keep pursuing. It's so like me to go astray. But you guard my heart with your truth, a kind of love that's bulletproof, and I surrender to your kindness. How real, how wide, how rich, how high is your heart. I cannot find the reasons why you give me so much. How real, how wide, how rich, how high is your heart. I cannot find the reasons why you give me so much. It's so unusual, it's frightening. I'm fully known and loved by God. So you can actually watch that video on on YouTube and and find that. But So we're going to have communion now. And God's grace is amazing. It covers all of your imperfections and gives you Christ's righteousness and gives you an opportunity to live and to serve Him. And in the midst of the spiritual battle, there'll be all these reasons not to. But if you're faithful to show up, if you're faithful to pray it through, if you're faithful to put God first, you will find reward and you'll find great delight. And you'll find that God's love is so evident. When you look back on your life, you'll see all the ways that God was there. Even when you look forward and wonder, you know, how the future is going to work out. So we're going to play some music and they're going to pass the communion elements the cracker, the bread of Christ out, and we are going to uh, come back, pray, and take it together. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you've already paid the price to cover our sins. You've already paid our admission ticket to heaven. You've already made it possible for us to be rescued from eternal separation from you, from hell. Lord, we thank you that not only do you rescue us, but you give us an opportunity to live an abundant life, a life that matters, Lord, to uh, follow you and to serve you and to delight in you. We take this and we eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. So the new covenant is that we trust in Christ. Through our faith in Christ, we're forgiven. It's not sacrifice of animals. It's not a works-based salvation. It's the salvation that Christ has covered, salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And so we celebrate that. So I like this part of communion to thank the Lord for all that he's doing and to recommit my life to him. So I encourage you to do that too while the music plays. Lord, I thank you so much that your blood covers our sin and your life was an example for us to follow. Your Holy Spirit gives us the power to live the Christian life and to grow in you and to serve you and uh, to make an eternal difference. Lord, even rescuing people from the flames of eternal judgment, even uh, being your ambassadors for Christ, your ministers of reconciliation, you have so many things that you offer us if we would just be faithful to show up and to serve, and to live for you, and to make the choice to follow you. We think we take this and we drink. And the reminder of communion is that every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again, remembering that Christ is coming again. Matthew twenty four fourteen says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So, like I said, you know, I'm about to celebrate half a century here. And I'd have to say that in God's faithfulness, he's done amazing things. And uh, there was one probably defining moment in my life, besides marrying my wife, 
one defining moment where I had every opportunity to get a marketing, advanced marketing degree for free. I mean, the company would pay for the education, pay for me to actually be there in school, pay for everything, and it sat out there before me as an option. And I felt that God had called me to ministry, and I thought I could still do ministry and do marketing, but I, I prayed about it in this verse, delight yourself in the Lord, to give you the desires of my heart. What is my heart's desire? Was it truly to make money in marketing? Was it truly just to exist, or was it truly to serve the Lord? Because, I mean, what a risk to say no to marketing and then trust God for ministry. Does that even make sense? And so in that defining moment, I chose ministry instead of marketing, and I actually chose to go to Bible college instead of University of Minnesota for the marketing degree. And the reason why was because that was truly my heart's desire. And I thought when I'm old on the steps of the, you know, when I'm in the rocking chair on the steps of the nursing home and I look back on my life, if I hadn't tried to serve God like he called me to do, I would have wasted my life. And he's just been so faithful over the years. And I encourage you to be faithful, to serve the Lord, even when it doesn't seem like it makes sense or there's a better option. And then live your life in a way that really matters and see if you can make an eternal difference. So uh, next week, we're talk- Dan's talking about the event that changed everything. Psalm 37.4 is also one of my favorite uh, verses. And I like the double entendre in there that uh, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. He's going to give us the things that we desire, but he's going to change the desires of our heart so that that's what they are. And this guitar is actually an example of this. Um, this guitar is made out of koa. That's a, a wood that comes only from Hawaii. And uh, I could have bought this guitar at any time. The Lord has blessed my wife and I very richly. But we try to be very careful about how we use our money because we want it to go towards ministry to do the best things that we can with all that we have. And God provided in a very unique and special way so that I could have this guitar built for me. It was a desire of my heart. God has used music to encourage me, to help me to grow, and it's how I connect with him. And this guitar is one of the things that I have that shows that. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.